Electricast. What's going on, everybody? Let's go ahead and jump into it. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Ringside with Ray and Prince, the podcast. Today, we got a special treat for you. If you don't know, you need to know. Some say that you have to pursue. Some say that you have to chase. But we already know that's Chase Griffith. That's the NIL Male Athlete of the Year, the NCAA Mm. quarterback. I don't even want to just continue to try to introduce him. I want to just get him to jump in and we get on with his story. So, Ray. Let's open it up, man. We got Mr. Chase Griffith. Chase, how you doing, man? Let me give you a round of applause, brother. Hey, round of applause, doing brother. well. Doing Chase, well. Thank, thank y'all for having me. Thanks for joining us, brother. We always like to like, give you the floor first and uh, give you an opportunity to tell a little bit about your background, where you're from, you know, what's your driving motivation, and then we're going to start asking questions about you know, what you're doing now. So so tell us a little, little bit about where it started. You don't have to go all the way back to the hospital in UCLA Hospital, but you, <laughs> you can go ahead and start a little bit further ahead. Got you. So I was born in L.A., moved to Texas around four, considered myself a Texan, grew up around 20 miles northeast of Austin in Round Rock, went to Huddle High School, the Hippos. Derek uh, played under the Friday Night Lights. Uh, UCLA was always a school that I wanted to go to just because of the black history and black excellence here and what athletes have done, not just in their sport, but in society. And when I got that call from Coach Kelly uh, and had the chance to come out here and showcase my talent, uh, it was a huge blessing. And to this day, one of the best decisions I've ever made uh, as far as my drive and, and what motivates me is really my faith. And uh, one of my, you know, favorite verses in, is in Proverbs, where it talks about how, you know, man has a plan, but but God guides the steps. And so, mm-hmm. however, however it happens over this time, uh, I have certain overarching goals, and those keep me in balance with my priorities and what I really want. Well, you guys can already hear like the <laughs> excellence in, in this young man and what he's talking about, the way he speaks. You can hear that uh, that very white tag voice. <laughs> he, he out there with that baritone. He, he's, he's he's meant to be on on camera, meant to be on the radio, meant to be on right. these podcasts with that with that voice, man. That's crazy. So tell us a little bit about you were born in California, but then moved to Texas. That's like a whole culture shock, Hollywood, LA, all that stuff, and then going down to Texas. It's a little down bit south, different. Baby. Down right. Absolutely. No principal jump right. on it. <laughs> so I mean, w- when we moved to Texas, I was pretty young, but uh, I always did want to come back out here just because I would come out here on vacation or something like that, and the weather would always be perfect. You got the beach here, uh, but I I love Texas, and I think um, you know whether it's in the next ten years, twenty years, uh, by the time I get later in life to towards the end, I'd love to you know be in Texas uh, just because that's that's where I grew up, that's where I consider my home. Uh, it definitely there is a difference between, I think, a lot of the culture where I'm from in Texas and out here in L.A. Not saying it's better or worse. There's things that are just different. Uh, I think there uh, it's a lot easier to just talk to strangers <laughs> out here. I, I feel like if people don't know you, they're not really trying to talk. Uh, and and that, that's sort of a, a difference between the South and, and out here. But uh 
I think in general, when we when we look at society, because of how connected everything is through the internet, uh, culture is getting mixed more and more, uh, depending on your region. I love that, man. I love that. Look, look. All right, so I'm I'm going to back it up real quick because you mentioned your your prop your your favorite verse in Proverbs, and you said man has a plan, but God had orders your steps, right? Right. And so I, I want to talk about your parents. Let's 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 talk about the parents that you were born into because that was a that, that was steps that were ordered. So uh, speak about your parents because we need to figure out how this all came together, man. As as Ray Ray mentioned, you are incredible. So please speak about the inception. Yeah, I mean, uh, without my parents, like I'm not the person who I am today, and I think the same goes for my two younger siblings. I think being the oldest of three also gave me a a certain nature about myself that's been beneficial to how I've been working. And God willing is when I have a family, uh, whenever that time comes. Uh, As far as my mother, she's the best mother on earth. And uh, she's a teacher by profession, but also by nature. And I always felt confident in myself, confident in my ability to learn, grow in things and build out talents. Uh, my father, master motivator and uh, somebody who uh, has already broken generational curses and has my utmost respect man to man. And then as a father, uh, respect him for, for providing for his family and, and making his family his number one priority. Uh, and I think if I take those characteristics from both my parents and try to build on uh, what I can build on to, to push the Griffin name forward, then I'm doing the right thing for my little brother, for my little sister, and I'm doing the right thing for my future family. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I look back at it and I see that that was my charge. You know, I was the oldest sibling and. It was always uh, incumbent on me to be the one that led the, uh, my other siblings because I was the oldest and my parents were teenagers when I was born. So for you to have that infrastructure and that guidance and, you know, your folks that you had look up to and they gave you uh, a little bit of each each one of them that fed into you from the teacher, from the master motivator, from your, from your dad, and led into the person that you're becoming today, having your own DNA, doing your own thing. It's very impressive, and, and, I, and I love it. And I think well, these stories need to be told a lot more. You know, we talk about the athletics, and we're going to talk about, you know, your, your start into high school football and f- figuring things out from there. But, you know, we just want to salute you first and foremost about the person that you are. And I appreciate it. It's the athletics because we always talk. Me and Prince always talk. It's, it's bigger than sports. It's bigger than football. It's bigger, bigger than that. And once yeah. everybody starts to understand that, then I think we'll be in a better place. But I we do have to talk about your, your athletic prowess and, and when you figured out, like, man, I, I'm cold at this game. And then you know, it's not a whole bunch of black quarterbacks wasn't a thing, right? Right. We was growing right. Right. You gonna the ball? You gonna catch the ball? So what was it? that that led you into playing quarterback? So soccer was my first sport. And that's really where I learned how to train and dominate games. Real football. (laughs) Exactly. So so I was playing soccer games. I was getting like four or five goals. Uh, A lot of my former teammates from youth went on to play in the Olympic uh, development programs, play overseas. 
uh, and that probably would have been the track I was on. But on Saturdays, I'd have games. On Sundays, I'd watch the NFL. And my favorite player was LaDainian Tomlinson, and I wanted to be a running back. And my pops was like, man, you're not, you're not taking all those hits. Uh, and so I started training quarterback. He knew I, he knew I was pretty sharp, uh, had, had some good innate leadership qualities, and pretty level temper. Uh, and then my my parents also said I couldn't start tackle football until 10 to, to fifth grade. So I was playing flag. When I was playing flag, I was playing running back. And then the season before, uh, played some quarterback too. And I was just having fun with it. And that first year of Pop Warner, I think we went eight and one, or something like that. I played quarterback and rest is history. I, I fell in love with the game, but I also fell in love with the quarterback position. It was my first year playing it and I had some success. And going through middle school, uh, had a lot of media coverage just because of some of the opportunities I had, such as being part of the Elite 11 as a ball boy and, and learning through that process. And my pops did a great job of seeking out expertise in the space. Um, and I learned how to play quarterback. Uh, as far as um, as far as high school, chose Hutto High School because I found a coach that really believed in me and found someone that I knew I could grow under and reach my college goals with. And throughout high school, Hutto was a one-horse town. It was, I had the ability to continue honing in on my craft, but also off the field represent a brand that was larger to myself in an up-and-coming town in an up-and-coming city. And I had the experience of working with brands my senior year because I was a Gatorade Player of the Year, the Ford Player of the Year, and won awards with In-N-Out and Whataburger. And obviously I wasn't paid for those, but I was doing media appearances every single week uh, just within my town or on the news stations or on uh, in the local radio station. And then my senior year, I was doing branded appearances. And so I had a little bit of preparation for what was to come during NIL before I even got to UCLA. Mm. So you can, you can see that whole thing, Prince, that this young man is cerebral. And the reason why he was playing quarterback is he was thinking through the game. <laughs> he was playing chess where everybody else was playing checkers, right? So, so, so that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm seeing it already. Like, it doesn't take a, a genius to see what was already ordained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was in the making, man. Yeah, the, the path was already already put there. But you weren't the prototypical size of, of the, the quarterback. So, no. uh, what, what kind of what kind of pushback did you get from that? Oh, I mean, even from Pop Warner, had people saying, "Yeah, maybe not quarterback, maybe not this, this or that." Middle school had a lot of nice airs. Uh, seventh grade, I was competing to get reps. <laughs> you know, it, it's a whole bunch of things. When you look back, it's like, man, God really cleared the way because there were a lot of people who didn't believe. Uh, and, and that's why I've always had a confidence about myself in every situation I'm in because I've always been delivered the whole time. And as long as I stay true to myself, stay prepared for my opportunity, it always comes. And, and sometimes it's not even in in the opportunity or fashion that you want in the moment, but it always turns out better than you expected. Uh, and, and, and that's really where my faith has grown throughout the entire process. It's like you said, it's bigger than football. I look at football as something, even if you Tom Brady, God willing, he lives to be a hundred years old. He's not even half dead yet. And he's done with football. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a 25 year career. 
for for the majority of folks, football is hopefully not the best time of their life. Hopefully, it prepares them for them to be able to reach that, and and that's how I view, you know, every single day that I, you know, put in time, overcome struggle, go through you know mental stress, physical stress and overcome it, I see it all as great practice for having a family, all great practice for building companies that I want or or building organizations that I want to be a part of. Like your mind is forward thinking, man. It's very uh, calculating and you're thinking about things far beyond and you're looking at um, the, the struggles and the trials and tribulations that you go through and how it can assist you for the future, man. That's so beautiful. Now, one of the things you were speaking about was um, strengthening your faith and you know, persistence and 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 also patience. Um, when, when I was playing, it was a different era, but I was a walk on and it was a lot of adversity that I had to overcome. It wasn't due. It wasn't much to due, due to size. It was just more so of um, can I play the running back position and be a starter at Georgia Tech? So I walked on to Georgia Tech, and after I walked on, my first year, it didn't look like I was going to be able to play, and I struggled. I struggled a lot, and I did did well on and off the field, but the one thing that I had was persistence and a great support team, my family. They were there. They were constantly telling me you know, what I need to do, but um, I fell in love with myself. I fell in love with my ability, and I fell in love with God and really understanding like what path was set for me. And um, you mentioned that. So now after high school, you get to college. What was that experience like? That first year of college was tough. I mean, you, you go from being the the best player and arguably, arguably the best state. Yeah. Uh, and, and you go from being relied on to, to perform every single Friday night uh, to determine whether your team wins or loses to – uh, you know, you compete for reps during practice. Uh, and, and and that's really a shock, I think, to virtually every single player uh, or a lot of players who, who get to college unless you're starting your true freshman year. Uh, and as a quarterback, but also as a competitor, you got to find ways to keep your confidence up that aren't tied to how you're doing on the field. Mm. And for a lot of 17 and 18 year olds, it's the first time they're doing that. In addition, their first time in college classes, in addition, their first time in a new spot, new housing situation. Now I got two roommates. Uh, and so, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, man, it was actually fun. But during it, it's like, man, it's so much going on. You don't know how to feel. Everybody's been telling you the whole time, yeah, college is going to be the best time of your life, best time of your life. You're like, man, I'm feeling stressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm getting, I'm getting cussed out in practice. This is fun. But uh, you, you you get through it. And, and I think I got stronger because of it, because it helped me prepare for what it's like to keep your confidence up and keep your same level of focus and everything that you do when you're not going to be the man on Saturday. When you know somebody else is going to be taking those snaps, how do you carry yourself? And Are you able to stay true to yourself in a time where maybe it feels like less people are watching? Your parents aren't on you every single day. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to get lost in the sauce when there's 120 other players Versus back home, you were, you know, one of the top three players on your team. 
Man, that, that, that is beautiful. And I, I want to stay here for a minute because I think this is important to a lot of young athletes who are having these expectations. And we had the, the COVID senior year, uh, people getting extra year, the smaller uh, scholarships for uh, athletes coming out of high school now. And I think it's important to understand that, that how you carry yourself and how you show up is going to be um, a little bit different. When I went to college to play ball, I was 17 years old. I, I didn't turn 18 until the end of November. So it, it was it was tough for me because I was a young buck, but also you're away from your family. You, you have all these different temptations pressed at you, and the expectations on the field has changed because you are a small fish in a big pond. <laughs> I was only 155 pounds, like 5'9", playing running back. And I'm like, man, okay, this is, this is a little bit different. D1 is different. So, so my two boys play ball. My my youngest son is uh, a running back at Vista Marietta High School, and his his number one school is is uh, UCLA. That's that's where okay. he wants to go. That's, that's that's his target. So, and my oldest son is a receiver at uh, Savannah State University in Georgia. So, yeah, he he had to humble himself about getting to a new school and all the folks that were there, all the projected starters, and trying to fight his way into. The lineup. So, what advice do you give these young folks that are coming up that are used to being the man and getting to a spot that you have to adjust your thinking, but still figure out how you can be prepared to successful? Try to find wins every single day. Uh, I know it's really easy to say, well, no matter what, I'm going to have the faith, no matter what. But if you're not thinking about it in a perspective where you're recognizing the blessings and staying grateful, it's going to be impossible just because the circumstances are all you have to go off of if that's the way you're thinking. Uh, so so embrace the process and, and, and try to find wins every single day. Like, man, I woke up, I had breakfast, I went, got a workout in, and then I got a practice in. I got a little bit better. If you're a receiver, I got a little bit better at my plant step on Bang Gates. Uh, and, and, and try to find one thing every single day that you got a little bit better at. Because – you can't do it for the coaches. You can't do it for the program. Maybe you could do it for your teammates if you really care about them and they really feeding off of each other. But bottom line, you got to do it for yourself. And if if holding a, a level of standard uh, and, and remaining true to yourself is your motivation, then as long as you're breathing, you're going to hold yourself to that standard. Uh, and, and that's really what, what I've learned. Because if, if you're doing it to, to please the coaches in the film room, when you mess up, you're going to get cussed out. It's really going to take you down that rabbit hole. If, you, if you're if doing it for the highlight, or for your girl, or, or, or whatever, whenever oh, you're not oh, playing. Or for the gram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, whenever you're not playing, it's really going to eat at you. But if you're doing it for yourself and you realize, well, I'm going to pick out something today that I'm going to get better at then every single day can be a win. And, and you always stacking wins. And by the end of the year, that's 365 wins that you can stack. And you you completely better at the end of that year. And that's not just a characteristic that it takes you to getting better at your sport, but that's how you get better in life. Uh, as far as I would also say advice to the parents and guardians, it's not always as streamlined as you think or as it, as it's told to you in programs, uh, if, if your kid is, is 
doing well at practice, that doesn't mean that they get a shot. A lot of things are determined during fall camp. So even if you're balling every single week during the season, you know, they're going to roll with the lineup that they're rolling with early in the season because, you know, that that's just how it is. Uh, understanding that you can't place unwarranted pressure on your kid to will their way on the field uh, is sort of an impossible task. And a lot of parents don't really see it uh, that way because it's not as – uh, based in certain metrics as maybe a job place or a workplace is. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that go into sports, and sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's uh, just, frankly, who the coach has more confidence in. And sometimes your kid has nothing to do with that decision. Man, that's some great advice for the, all the parents that's listening because the recruitment process is one thing. And then when your child leaves and goes to the school, they get cussed out. And that's another thing. <laughs> you know, they have to deal with those stressors and 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 balance everything, man. And so just real quick before I ask ask my next question, how do you balance the wins with the with the with the losses? Because you know, they they both balance out each other. And sometimes it can it can get difficult where you have more losses than wins. So how do you deal with that? finding ways to turn your losses into wins uh, where it's like I'm not playing this year well that means I can really focus on every single practice on one thing instead of focusing on the whole offense because I know I'm not really going to have to use it this weekend so I can really you know really focus on pushing the throw power or pushing the accuracy I'm not as focused on you know what that defense is, is going to do that week while also remaining prepared because you never know, like stay ready. But I think uh, – and also having perspective on what a loss is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like family issues back home, like those are struggles. Uh, you you struggling in a class, like those are struggles. But missing a throw and routes on air, like some people, that really takes them down for the whole practice. If they're not mentally strong about it, mm-hmm. uh, that's not a loss. Like mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, now of course you want to be perfect, and, and mm-hmm. we all work towards that. But having having perspective is important, and that helps you see the wins more. You know who did this? You know who started this? Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Manziel, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Manziel man. Johnny, that's, that's my dude. He he received a lot of scrutiny and backlash, and and. Um, it put him on the forefront, but it forced the college to to actually create something, right? So the players can get paid. Because back back in the day, I didn't get paid. You know, I got a little stipend. It was probably like two hundred dollars. And so you got um, two year um, the NIL Male Player of the Year. Um, hold on, Chris. Before ahead, before you jump in that, because you you gave you gave Johnny Manziel some credit. I got to go back to the old school cats with UCLA boys and Charles O'Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. They, were the ahead, right? they were the catalyst that, that started all this all this stuff. <laughs> Manziel was an accelerator, but the Ed Charles, <laughs> they, they were the ones that, that was the catalyst to get it moving. Appreciate Absolutely. it, right? Absolutely. Shout out Ed O'Bannon. Uh, when it came to NIL, I think I was prepared in a way that I wasn't even intending to do. Obviously, I had some media training in, in high school and had worked with some brands, but in addition to that, coming out of uh, high school, 
I had a lot of Ivy League offers. And I felt like if I was passing on Harvard for UCLA for the football play, I had to make sure I maximized UCLA's network. And so I did that. I maximized my potential on and off the field, got my undergrad degree in just over two years. And the season before NIL came to be legalized for the NCAA, I had the highest passer rating in the Pac-12. And so everything was going right and really the timing hit, God's timing. And immediately I was able to brand myself as somebody who could deliver on return on investment to brands and do it in a way that protected their core values and their reputation. And a lot of large brands were a little bit apprehensive at first. It was their first time working with a new talent pool. But at the end of the day, before NIL and after NIL, athletes are proven value creators. We we are the talent piece in a multi-billion dollar industry and allowing us to capture on some of that value on the marketing side, I think has grown the pie for everyone. More people have watched college football than ever before. And I think a lot of those conversations and buzz are surrounded by what NIO allows. And I think it's uh, just another step on the way to revenue share, which is really uh, where schools are going to you know, begin to divvy out pieces of the media rights deals that athletes uh, have been deemed to deserve by the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm, I love it. But here's one of the big things. So you always associated with like these big, massive names that, yeah, that you beat out Sharif O'Neal, Jador Sanders, Bryce Young, like all, all those guys. How did you set yourself up for success to be – uh, ahead of those guys who are legacy names to come in and get the opportunity to to get a piece of that bag. I think the cool piece about NIL is, is extremely personal. Like it literally is your name, image, and likeness. It is yourself. And I don't really think about anyone else when I'm doing my deals. I just think about what is the mission of the project or content that I'm creating and how can I best deliver for that? And I found a great team of uh, videographers, a couple in particular, who I consistently go to, especially for higher dollar deals. And I found that my ability to create content has grown over the years. Early on, it was really just me with a teleprompter app on my phone. And I was using, you know, my ability to be a good speaker on camera to deliver a return on investment for brands then. Now I've taken it up, you know, a few levels to where I have pre-production, I have post-production and editing. I have the ability because I produce music to produce the backing track uh, or instrumental on my voiceovers or, or dialogue commercials. So I've, I've become a full-fledged branded content producer in the space. And now I'm sort of merging over into the more general production with unscripted TV shows where I'm hosting and producing and then God willing after the strike scripted uh, on the acting, voice acting and producing side. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, that's, that's great work that you're doing. I, I've been a part of the Screen Actors Guild for over 40 years now. And uh, wow. yeah, the, the strike is a little bit different. But when you talk about the change and how content is created and how you brand yourself and how you are able to leverage these uh, corporations for ROI. I have a, a few kids that I've coached and started out when they were, when they were young bucks and they became popular dancing on TikTok and turned that into a monetization of, of 
like ridiculous amounts of money for every single post. Right. Right. I mean, the, the, the whole game has changed. And so how did you figure that out? Well, did you have a mentor? Did you have other people? Did you go directly to organizations and companies and market yourself? Or was it you, you just kept creating content and, uh, and put it in that space? It was really a mix. So my closest mentor just in life and throughout this process has been my father. He's worked in the production space. He's worked in the advertising space. And uh, he also knows where to find other experts in the space. And similar to how with football, he wasn't really experienced in football, but he is experienced in sourcing experts. Uh, We did the same thing. Uh, So we found best videographers uh we did a great job of producing early on the shot lists uh and and brands early on reached out to me which i wasn't surprised by just because i'm confident about myself and i know that i'd be able to deliver on these deals but i was happy to see that brands have been following along with what i was doing right before nil came to be and so just like everything else, I go in every single deal trying to be everybody. Um, it, if if there's the degree breaking limits campaign, which was my first deal, and there were th- thirty other kids on the camp or thirty other athletes on the campaign, I wanted to have the best video out of those thirty. And that same mindset I take into every single campaign now. To where when I'm working with new brands, I want them to be like, we don't have to look to anybody else. We can just you know make him the face of our of our nil deals um and uh through good content production through getting better on the talent side and and increasing my prowess as far as media training and and on-camera training uh, i've gotten to a point where i feel confident that you know no matter the brand no matter the task i'm able to produce quality content for it so what is your goal for for this you know, next uh, next year, uh, and then after you, you get out of college and, and go into uh, to adult life like we are, full fledged. What, what are your What are your goals? And what are your steps? And how do you set yourself up for success? Uh, it's always been interesting to me to hear how other people have goals, just because for myself, uh, I'm not a huge planner as far as. Uh, saying like a year from now, I want this to happen or I want to reach this certain number. Uh, For me, it's pretty much week by week. And then I have overarching life missions that hopefully everything I'm doing during that week leads to. Uh, So that's sort of how I structure my goal setting. When I talk about my general life goals, I want to build generational wealth early. And then I want to be able to provide for my family in a way that I see fit and then going to public service and philanthropy things that I'm able to practice a little bit now, but I want to up the scale a lot and I want to do all of that while maintaining my faith. And I try to only try to only get myself into things that align with that. So whether that be brands that align with those values, uh, being around people who align with those values, um, spending time on things that align with those values, I really cut a lot of fat out of my life and, and don't don't introduce problems that add stress uh, just because I, I, I don't really need that. I got, I got stuff every single day to do. Uh, and when I'm in season, really goals go one and oh every single week. 
and everything sort of builds around that. Beautiful. Beautiful. When we talk about it, you know, when success comes, you know, there's always the the trials and things that you seem to get the hangers on or you seem to get people trying to lead you in different directions. Uh, folks is always saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this great idea. You should be doing this. You, you making some money now. Go ahead and invest in me. So how do you deal with that early on? Because that was something I struggled with uh, you know, as, as a young person. I always want to help everybody else. but learning how to say no and learning how to protect your own sanctity is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's never, is never really taught. I think part of the best thing of, of building a good reputation is people just don't even try you, uh, you know, here and there, there might be people or, or people that reach out, but, uh, if, if you're pretty, uh, you know, strict about who you allow into your life and who you even are around, uh, it's easier to cut that out. Plus, I'm not really close uh, to back home geographically. So, um, you know, folks that uh, may, may be may be issues for, for other folks uh, aren't really to me just because I don't even entertain it. Um, and then... Uh, I think I think I have a compassionate heart, so uh, I, I'm not one to to uh, doubt that and, and and be careful about that. Um, just because uh, I understand that there are some people who don't have good intentions, uh, but at the same time, I'm not someone who who likes dismissing people off top. Um, and, and I think keeping that balance and, and staying prayed up uh, definitely protects you from things that I don't even realize I'm being protected from at the moment. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things you talked about being prayed up and being you know secure and surrounding yourself with the right people. And you know, Magic Johnson always talks about, you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. Right. So that kind of kind of, you know, shows the people that are guiding you and helping you, you take on some of those characteristics. And you know, for for me it was a lot of trying to help a family coming from a, a background where we didn't have anything, you come into it and you feel responsible <laughs> sometimes right. you know, it, it gets into your heart, but you know, to, to be honest and, and true to who you are and uh, understand your journey is your journey. And uh-huh. um, you know, if, if, I, if I, you can't help lift me up then don't push me down. Right. So right. that's the whole space. So what, what kind of information or advice would you give to, to the next Chase Griffin? It, first of all, just don't be Chase Griffin. Be yourself. Um, I'd say I'm still getting to a point where, uh, you know, over the next 20 years, I have no idea what vertical I'm going to be leaning into, what I'll be focused on, whether it's sports, music, media, uh, you know, entertainment, investing. These are all skill sets that I'm building out. And whichever one ends up being the ticket to getting me to where I'm trying to go, uh, I'll lean the most into that while still bringing along the other skill sets that I have. Just because uh, I, I believe that one of the funnest things about being alive is growing in something and getting better at something. I think that's something that was instilled in me by my parents. Uh, and God willing, I keep that to the day I, day I pass. Um, for anyone in the content space, authenticity, 
it, it's a lot easier to create content when it's authentic to you because you actually care about it and you don't have to spend hours every single day manufacturing a life that's not really yours. There's 7 billion or 8 billion people on earth. There's a lot of people out there that live a similar life to you and understanding that they are seeking someone to be the voice for them and to uplift them every single day. Uh, and as long as you, you affect in the world in a positive way, I think that's spreading love. And I think that's the teachings of our savior. So, uh, I think it, if you adhere to that, you're doing what you called to do. Right. See, you, you're going you're going to make it hard for a lot of old school parents because they be like, you know, get a real job, go go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Playing playing sports is not going to work for you. Being on the internet is not going to work for you. <laughs> Being in music is not going to work for you. But you're proving everybody wrong, man. So right. shout out to you for, for for staying true to what you want to do and following your passions. And shout out for you to your parents for for raising a you know a fantastic young man. I appreciate that. And, and and there's nobody that says you can't do both. Uh, you know, there, there's no one that says, you know, as a doctor, you can't have, you know, a, a hobby as a musician and catalog that. Or, or if you're a lawyer, that you can't have other hobbies that you catalog. Um, I think at the very least, it's fun. Uh, so so being able to, to do that and express yourself that way. Uh, in a day and age where everybody has a high definition camera, uh, you know, at the very least it's fun. And at the very most, you maximize the opportunities that you have throughout your life. Man, 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 you cold with it, man. You too, just too cold it. with it. We need to get you a jacket because this is bird right here. <laughs> those bird moments, man. Oh my goodness, man. Bro, I'm really inspired, you know, just by your poise uh, just how you articulate yourself and your mind. So I want to give a shout out to your parents. We, we definitely want to congratulate them for doing an excellent job on raising an excellent young black man that is uh, really focused and driven towards uh, the plan that God has for you, man. And so we can tell that you that we can tell that you have a plan, but your steps are definitely ordered. And we can see that, man. I, I one of the things that I'm really big on, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an author. So I wrote a book called Mindfulness for the Ultimate Athlete, Mastering the Balance Between Power and Peace. And I just wanted to ask you, what technique or what, what, what do you practice in terms of keeping your mental state healthy? Prayer, prayer is big for me and, and having routine with it. Uh, so every single morning when I wake up, I pray. Uh, every single morning, I, I listen to Aretha Franklin's "Say a Little Prayer for You." It gets me, gets my mind right. Now, normally, I like you know gangster music stuff that's hype, all of that. But I figure when I first wake up, start with some start with some stuff that's actually has sustenance to it, uh, and, and that puts me on the right wavelength throughout the day. And then also, a lot of days I'm working, you know, twelve, fourteen, some days sixteen hour days between class, school uh football and nil stuff uh so on days when it's not like that finding pockets to where like i'm on the game or i'm making music or i'm just chilling out just laying there on my phone uh, there's nothing wrong with with downtime especially when you're really busy just because if you want to be on go and, and on 100 percent when you're called upon you gotta make sure you're on zero or five percent whenever it's not your time. That's, 
Well said, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, sh- shout out to what, what you guys are doing, uh, you know, uh, with, with the team, the success. I got to give a shout out to to my DMV brother, Coach Norwood. That's my homie. Yeah, he, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nah, he, yeah. He, right, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real smooth with it. Real smooth with it. Hawaii bell. Yeah, but I, I want to know. Definitely, like I said, give a shout out to you, to you and your parents, and for you to keep striving for success and staying, you know, humble and and driven. You know, so uh, we we salute you. We appreciate you. I appreciate it. And so we talk about some music. You want to add to that, Aretha Franklin? You can go ahead and add some of that, Chuck Brown. You know, bust okay. loose. <laughs> that, that's how I wake up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like busting loose. Uh, you know, one of my biggest things is the same thing as you is prayer, uh, but it's meditation. It's a longer form of prayer. And I've been doing it um, for for some time. I'd say about 13 years. And uh, I, when I played in the NFL, it's a lot of stresses and a lot of things that I had to deal with, a lot of adversity that I had to overcome, and then also the transition. And a lot of us go through a transition in life, and we don't know how to uh, uh, balance that transition. When when you have to make these moves, you have to move things from here. And the, the three most important things are the physical, the mental, and the emotional. And so a lot of times, some of those things are left behind. And and you have to re- remember that you have to go back and and grab those things so you can con- continue to make yourself whole. So I just want to say that you seem like you are whole right now. Uh, whatever trials and tribulations that you go through, just know that your steps are ordered and that faith. Even when you look within, you see that you see the light within, and that's the guiding light that helps you. Uh, and in terms of your journey and your pathway, man. So, yes, um, as as Ray Ray mentioned, man, we are honored to have you. Shout outs to Drew for putting it together, man. Maybe we have everybody on here at, at the same time, and and we have a a, a real high level conversation, very yes, intellectual, sir. you know. Yes, sir. Speak about, yes, sir. Speak about yes, sir. all the incredible things that we are doing and how and the impact that we're making. Yeah. Well, hey, we we appreciate you. I know you got to run. You got a busy day to get get yep. back to. Uh, you know, go make it a great day, and you know, keep doing your thing. Keep making us proud, your family proud, and making yourself proud first and foremost. So keep, keep up with those all. wins, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in for the Ringside Podcast. Uh, you know, on, on behalf of myself, Ray Leonard Jr., Prince Daniels Jr., and Mr. Chase Griffin. You know how we always close it out. What we say. Peace. 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 And power. Peace. You got to give a lot just to get what you need sometimes, y'all. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.